well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Buried Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you've joined us on the program today. All eyes on Washington, D.C., where uh, this week Democrats are expected to take up a pair of gun control measures in the uh, House of Representatives. In fact, the uh, House Rules Committee could get a uh, look at these bills today. Uh, Reuters reporting that uh, Wednesday, it looks like, uh, is when these bills will come to the uh, floor of the House. One of these bills, uh, again, would uh, require background checks on most transfers of firearms, including temporary transfers, Uh, and including most transfers between uh, private individuals. The other piece of legislation, authored by Representative James Clyburn of South Carolina, uh, would allow the FBI to place a hold, basically indefinitely, on uh, any firearm transfers that do go through a background check. Right now, the FBI can place a three-day hold uh, while they uh, investigate if, you know, the uh, National Instant Check System doesn't return a response right away, uh, then the FBI can say, all right, hold on, hold on, 72 hours. Give us 72 hours to do some more research. After 72 hours have passed, if the FBI has not come back, then the uh, gun seller uh, can go ahead and transfer that firearm. But uh, under Clyburn's bill, uh, this would be at least a 10-day wait, and it would really be indefinitely because after 10 days – you still can't release the firearm. You, as the seller of that gun, would have to petition the federal government in writing, uh, asking for permission to go ahead and transfer that firearm, even though the government hasn't done anything uh, in the 10 business days that it is allotted uh, under Clyburn's bill. Uh, Both of these bills, I think, are extremely uh, egregious violations of our right to keep and bear arms. I think they are aimed at legal gun owners as opposed to violent criminals. But don't just take my word for it. We've got uh, Alan Gottlieb, the uh, founder and executive vice president of uh, the Second Amendment Foundation with us on the program to talk about not only what's going on on Capitol Hill, uh, but what's going on in federal court as well, where the Second Amendment Foundation filing a new lawsuit on Friday in defense of our right to keep and bear arms. Take a look and a listen. Alan Gottlieb, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the program. It's good talking to you today. It's always good being with you, Cam, and your listeners. So it looks like Wednesday uh, is going to be the day that the House is slated to take up uh, these two gun control bills, one uh, universal background checks, the other that would uh, allow the FBI to basically uh, uh, hold a uh, firearm transfer indefinitely uh, if uh, if they want to, uh, from the current three days that uh, are allowed uh, under federal law. Uh, let me ask you, first off, uh, you know, what are you hearing from Second Amendment Foundation members about these bills? Well, they're not very happy about it. You know, the one that would allow the FBI not to approve itself or, you know, no reason per se, and just hold it forever. Uh, obviously, it's a direct infringement on Second Amendment rights for people people to be able to purchase a firearm. And the waiting period bill that they're trying to put through has a lot of things to it that devils in the details, uh, and it's not good either. So uh, we're not exactly happy about it, and most of our supporters, you know, are up in arms, so to speak. Yeah, and and it seems to me, I mean, you all have been running the uh, the Second Amendment first responder campaign. Uh, there have been you know commercials airing on uh, national television uh, for weeks on end, you know, trying to alert folks uh, to the threat in Washington D.C. Are are those messages having an impact? I think there really are. Uh, 
the, the one that the Second Amendment Foundation has been running is, I think, has had a very impact on Biden putting in any executive actions or orders. And, of course, the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms just started one last week, uh, and we're expanding it for next week as well. And that one attacks House Bill 127, which is just a god-awful piece of legislation. The part that bothers me the most of it is that the government-mandated psychological evaluations for you and every member of your household uh, is just appalling, uh, as well as a government-mandated insurance policy. If you buy through the government, it's going to cost you at least $800 a year. Uh, and so we're trying to get gun owners re- recognizing the fact that their rights are really being challenged more than ever before. And the Democrats in Congress and, and Biden in the White House is doing everything they can to basically shred your Second Amendment rights. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I know that uh, the votes are probably there in the House for these gun control bills. Uh, we're going to be watching the Senate very closely to see what happens. But, I, you know, I would still encourage gun owners, contact your representative, contact your member of Congress. Uh, you know, even if they're an anti-gun advocate and you know that they're going to vote for these gun control bills, they still need to be hearing from gun owners right now. Uh, they sure do, because these, these these ones are, the, are what I call the stalking bills. There's going to be much more coming as well. If they get these through, watch how bad and severe the next ones are. Absolutely. Now, I got to ask, what do you make of the fact that on the one hand, you know, you've got Democrats, they just passed this policing reform bill out of the House last week. Uh, you hear a lot of talk from Democrats about, you know, we've got to rein in over policing. We have to rein in over incarceration. And then you look at this background check bill. And uh, Alan, if if I were to sell a gun to you uh, or you were to sell a gun to me, we were to not go through a background check. We could be looking at a year in federal prison for this nonviolent possessory crime that Democrats are creating out of thin air. It, it, to me, it seems like there's a contradiction there. There's a definite contradiction, but hypocrisy and contradictions mark what our opponents are all about. Uh, None of this surprises me at all. You know, less police on the streets, higher crime, and then they take your right to, you know, keep their arms away from you so you can't protect yourself. I don't understand where they're coming from, but again, it's hard to understand crazy. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Meanwhile, at the uh, state level, you know, it's not just uh, a gun control that's happening at the uh, federal level. We've got stuff. Uh, going on at the state level as well. And on uh, Friday, the Second Amendment Foundation, the Illinois State Rifle Association, filing a federal lawsuit uh, against the Illinois State Police over the, I believe, unconscionable delays uh, in issuing of concealed carry licenses. This is a big problem in Illinois, not only with concealed carry licenses, but with the FOID permits that are required before somebody can legally own a firearm. You've got a backlog well, in one case, one of the named plaintiffs in your new lawsuit has been waiting over a year for his concealed carry license. Yeah, we already have a suit against the state police for uh, not issuing the FOID card to the federal court. And now, of course, we have one uh, against them for not issuing concealed carry permits. Under the statutes in Illinois, they have 90 days to issue you your permit if you supply your fingerprints. If you don't give them the fingerprints, they have 120 days. We're looking at people with over a year that, you know, right delayed is a right denied. Absolutely. And, you know, at a time in which violent crime is soaring in Chicago, there have been over 300 carjackings in the first 60 days of the year. Uh, We know that uh, these folks are targeting people who are in gun free zones like uh, bus stations right outside of train stations. They're targeting rideshare drivers Uh, and and the state is putting more barriers in place between folks and their right to protect themselves. They sure are. A lot of this stems from the fact that the uh, 
state has taken money away from the state police to be able to do the uh, issuing of the FOID cards and the CCWs and, and put it other places so that they're undermanned, understaffed, underfunded, and it's definitely intentional to mess over gun owners. Well, I mean, we've seen this, and I do believe it's intentional. I really do. I mean, we saw in Philadelphia the uh, the gun permit unit mm-hmm. shut down uh, for a period of months last year. It took a lawsuit to get them to reopen that. And, and I understand, you know, uh, some uh, uh, issuing authorities, they might have had to make COVID restrictions and, you know, set appointments instead of allowing folks to walk in the door. But as you say, at the end of the day, a right delayed is a right denied. And our rights don't disappear just because a governor has declared a state of emergency. That's not how it works. It sure doesn't. But the anti-gunners have figured out that if you can put roadblocks in the way of where you have laws saying you have to have a permit and then just don't issue the permit, mm-hmm. then nobody can have, no, then nobody can carry or nobody can buy a gun if it's a permit to buy a gun. And they figured out so we pass these laws and then we don't enforce them and we just, you know, we take away everybody's rights de facto by bureaucracy. Uh, and this is what gun owners really have to worry about. Every time a new gun law gets passed, these are the unintended consequences. Or yeah. maybe in some cases, they're the intended consequences. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, you know, listen, I would love to see the FOID card disappear. As you say, you've got a legal challenge going after the uh, the FOID card requirement itself in uh, uh, Illinois, as well as those delays. Uh, but, you know, if if uh, unfortunately in Illinois right now, the law, uh, the, the, the legislature is so uh, anti-gun, you've got an anti-gun governor. Uh, that right at the moment, the courts are, are the best recourse here. And so I am, I'm really glad to see this lawsuit, uh, filed in federal court. I hope that gun owners in Illinois, uh, get the relief and the justice that they deserve here. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Alan, again, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Uh, we'll probably be checking in with you, uh, you know, in the next few days here because this is going to be a busy week, uh, on Capitol Hill. As you say, these first two gun bills that, uh, scheduled for a vote on Wednesday. This is the foot in the door. Don't don't think that, uh, you know, if Democrats pass these two bills, they're going to let this go and then move on to other issues. Uh, they know that right now is the best opportunity they've had in decades to put their anti-gun agenda in place. And I, I do believe they're going to uh, do everything they can to try to make that happen. You're 100 percent right, Cam. All right. Alan Gottlieb, Second Amendment Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today, sir. Appreciate Alan's time. We uh, may very well be talking to him later in the week after the uh, House, again, uh, takes up these gun control bills. And I, I, look, I wish that I could say that we got a chance to defeat these bills in the House. Maybe we do. Maybe a slim one. Uh, but I, I think that the, uh, the cake is already baked, unfortunately, when it comes to these gun control proposals in the House. And over on the Senate side, that's where things are going to get really interesting. And Democrats, again, already pushing Joe Manchin who has said, I I know, quit bugging me about the filibuster. I'm not getting rid of the filibuster. They've already started bugging him. Hey, Joe, you know you like background checks, right? Well, you can't get your background check bill unless you get rid of the filibuster. Mm, You got to have one or the other. So they are putting the uh, the pressure on Joe uh, Manchin uh, to back off of his uh, repeated insistence that he will not vote to get rid of the legislative filibuster, which requires 60 votes to pass legislation, uh, gun control advocates and, and, and frankly, Democrats in general, uh, rather than saying, all right, you know, maybe we need to try to like, I don't know, uh, come up with proposals that could get 60 votes. Nope. They want to reduce it. Actually, they want to get rid of the sole check in the Senate on pure majoritarianism uh, and allow for every bill to pass with just 51 votes. Mm-hmm. If they do that. Uh, We've got more to worry about, by the way, than just gun control. 
And uh, the, again, the pressure is being put on Joe Manchin. I uh, I hope <laughs> that he has the spine uh, to withstand that pressure. But we're already starting to see when it comes to like HR uh, one, the uh, the voting bill. Uh, Manchin's already starting to get a little little wishy washy. So, well, maybe. Maybe I'd, I'd, I'd support getting rid of the filibuster for voting and civil rights legislation. Well, if he does that, then all of a sudden, gun control advocates are going to say, look, these gun control bills, they're, they're civil rights legislation. We're talking about a civil right. We're talking about restricting a civil right. But we're still talking about a civil right. So, Joe, come on. Let, let, let's go. Let, let, let's get rid of this. Uh, again, we've got our work cut out for us. But I would encourage... Gun owners, as I talked with Alan a couple minutes ago, it doesn't matter if your congressman is pro-gun or anti-gun. They need to hear from you. They need to know that these measures are unpopular, that they don't enjoy the support of 90% of Americans, as the media claims. And the reason, by the way, why these polls suggest that 90% of Americans support things like universal background checks is because most Americans don't really know the devil in the details of this legislation. They don't, I believe, want to see their uh, spouse or their significant other or their neighbor go to prison for a year because they uh, temporarily loaned a gun to somebody who was worried that their ex was going to show up uh, one night and attack them. And that's exactly what would happen under this bill. Yeah, uh, there, there, there's an exception in the universal background check language uh, for uh, loaning a trans or you know loaning a firearm to somebody uh, for self-defense. But that threat has to be imminent. And the transfer can only last as long as the threat is, quote, imminent. So what is imminent? If your neighbor calls you up 10 o'clock at night and says, listen, uh, you know, my boyfriend and I broke up a few days ago and he's been harassing me and stalking me. And he says that he's coming over uh, and he's going to kill me. And it's been a few hours. He hasn't shown up yet. I don't know if he's going to or not. Is that an imminent threat? Are you allowed under this background check bill? to loan your neighbor a gun so that she can defend herself if need be? I, I don't think so. It's not like the guy's showing up at the door, you know? It's not like he's actually there trying to break into the house. So, no, I don't think that would be considered an imminent threat. That would be considered a potential threat, but not an imminent one. Under this background check, Bill, you'd literally have to wait until the door was being beaten down, and then you'd have to run over, and then, here, take the gun. And, uh, and then, you know, five minutes later, uh, if he either left or he was shot, then she could toss the gun back. To, Here you go. Thanks. Yeah, that makes no sense whatsoever. Look, we know that criminals aren't going to pay any attention to this law. They're just not. Legal gun owners, they're the ones that are going to be impacted by this. If we really want to get serious about reducing violent crime, then we have to start looking at the folks who are committing violent crimes. And we know that it's a very, very small subset of the American population. We also know that there are programs in place right now around the country that are aimed specifically at deterring those most likely to commit acts of violence and, frankly, those who are most likely to be the victims of the, that same violence as well. This isn't rocket science. This is criminal justice. And we know what works. Broad, sweeping laws that restrict the rights of Americans don't. They don't work. They don't work to reduce Violent crime, frankly, they don't even work to reduce gun ownership, which is what gun control advocates are also aiming for. These are bills that um, I can't even say they're well-intentioned, although I know that many Americans believe that. Uh, but even if you believe that these bills have the best of intentions, 
the consequences are going to be felt far more by legal gun owners than by violent criminals. And um, these bills are not worth supporting from a public safety standpoint or from a constitutional standpoint. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will start there with a uh, story out of Florida. This was Sunday. Palm Bay, a uh, suspect in custody after an uh, officer-involved shooting. Uh, as it turns out, this uh, suspect, well-known uh, to law enforcement, Joseph Martin Martinez, uh, was originally pulled over for a traffic stop. It was Sunday morning about 3.30 in the morning. Um, four officers located this suspicious vehicle, conducted a stop. Within two minutes, there was an exchange of gunfire between Martinez and officers. Suspect then tried to flee in the vehicle before running off on foot. Police chased him, used a taser on the suspect, but he still managed to get away into a wooded area. Uh, Sunday afternoon, they were able to take him into custody. Uh, according to local police, Martinez charged with a variety of crimes, including violation of probation for a previous armed carjacking case. Yep. So, again, we have a violent criminal commits a violent crime, in this case, carjacking. And what happens? Bad, bad, bad. Don't do it again. If you do it again, we might not put you on probation. We might actually put you behind bars for a little bit of time. Probably not, but that's what we're going to tell you. Again, rather than putting new gun control laws on the books, why don't we work to ensure that violent criminals face real consequences for their violent crimes? Today's uh, armed citizen story from South Carolina, Chesterfield County, where a uh, suspect fat uh, fatally shot in the head, the homeowner shot in the leg after uh, masked men uh, invaded a home. Now, I will say I, we, we've got some a little bit of conflicting information uh, about the... Uh, the suspect who was shot in the head, WBTV, says the um, incident happened Friday morning. Two masked men went into a home. One of them shot the homeowner in the leg. Homeowner then got into a fight with the other masked man. The homeowner's son then came out uh, with a shotgun, shot the man in the head who was fighting his father. The masked man who fired the first shot then uh, got uh, back in his car, took off, headed towards the North Carolina border. The uh, masked man... Uh, who was shot in the head, identified as a 17-year-old male, flown to a hospital uh, with life-threatening injuries, but then later died from his injuries. Uh, and there were two others who apparently are uh, facing charges in connection with this incident. 21-year-old Noah Daniels is going to be charged with burglary in the first degree, two counts of attempted murder, as well as possession of a weapon during a violent crime. 23-year-old Austin Lee Drake also going to face the uh, same charges when deputies get a hold of him. They say that Drake tried to rob the same house back in December of last year, just a few months ago. And was, quote, out on bond at the time of this crime. So, again, December of last year, just a few months ago, armed robbery, low bond, Mr. Drake back out on the streets and allegedly involved with this most recent incident as well. All right, finally today, our good deed of the day from Louisiana where a uh, sheriff's office in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing for a uh, mom and her son. This is a Lincoln Parish, Louisiana. And uh, that picture you see there is a, a Lincoln Parish Sheriff's deputy uh, working with um, Brandon Addison. Uh, Brandon's mom, Amber, actually uh, called the Lincoln Parish Sheriff's office and asked, do, do you offer 
any sort of firearm safety training because my son's getting ready to go off to college and I would like him to at least have some knowledge of how to be safe and responsible around a firearm. Uh, so the sheriff's office put uh, Amber Addison in contact with Captain James Colvin and uh, Captain Colvin said, yeah, happy to help. Uh, he invited Addison's son, Brandon, down to the sheriff's office for a one-on-one lesson. They went to the uh, sheriff's firing range. They uh, reviewed the fundamentals of firearm safety. Uh, Lincoln Parish Sheriff's Office says that Brandon turned out to be a quick learner and a great shot. They said that they were happy to spend time with youth from their community. I got to say, I love this. I don't know that uh, every sheriff's office is going to be able to offer uh, constituents one-on-one training if they reach out. But uh, but I, I love to see this, and I would love to see more. Uh, of this from uh, local law enforcement around the country rather than trying to shame folks into uh, not owning a firearm, but actually educating them on uh, safe and responsible firearm handling. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to be talking a little more about the gun control bills that are going to be dropping on the House floor later this week. Uh, We are slated uh, to speak with a member of Congress uh, about this particular legislation. I will uh, leave the name blank for the moment, just in case, you know, something happens. We might have to have a, uh, a congressman step up and pinch hit uh, for the one we're scheduled to talk to tomorrow. But uh, we will have uh, a report from Capitol Hill uh, about these gun control measures on tomorrow's Barry and Arms Cam and Company. In the meantime, don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss a program. Or if you like Rumble instead, Barry and Arms Cam and Company. You can also search for Barry and Arms Cam and Company on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and the townhall.com podcast page. And then don't forget to check out barryandarms.com for even more Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation throughout the day. Have a great rest of your Monday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, be free. <laughs>